I pulled all of this information together. I was asked like everyone I worked with at the time away in the office that was a woman, um, put it all in a spreadsheet and then I put my this spreadsheet. Who does that? I'm psychotic. Um, but the, um, I just, I'm really very organized. Um, and, um, and I put it in my Instagram story and it was just like, it's been shared hundreds of times at this point. I'm Tom Ward, and over the last couple years, I've had the chance to sit down with some of the biggest celebrities and influencers in the world. What I've always found most fascinating is the stories of the businesses that they've built behind the scenes. On this show, you'll get an inside look of what it takes to build a successful business from some of the biggest celebrities, business people, and up and coming entrepreneurs in the world. This is The Tom Ward Show. Guys, welcome to the Tom Ward Show where we talk to the biggest entrepreneurs in the world. Today we've got somebody who's Forbes 30 under 30, Emma Bates, founder, co-founder of DM, which is a social platform for women and non-binary individuals. And I was checking out the blog yesterday. I mean, as I just said, it's not really for me. I wasn't included <laughs> in that list, but I really- read them. I read them, I thought yeah. it was pretty cool. What I found most fascinating was before you even, you know, went live, you had a 20,000 person waiting list, right? Yeah. How did you pull that off? How did they find out about you? How did they get excited enough to sign up? Yeah, um, well, I guess to preface all of it, because I'm about to make it sound very easy. I've done- um, <laughs> 20 grand, what's yeah. that? That's no big no, deal. No, I've done, I've done uh, marketing for basically my whole career mm -hmm. prior to founding DM. So um, we knew that when we wanted to start gaining interest around the beta product rolling out, uh, an easy sort of way to do that would be via a milestone campaign. Um, and so what we did is we started DM as a newsletter. The newsletter had slowly got subscribers via referrals and people sort of like sharing it on social. Who was, um, who was right? Slow down for a second, right? Yeah. This is, okay, this is, easy, to, yeah, this is easy, easy to you, easy. right? But we yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. So who's writing the content and stuff? Um, me. You, this uh, is all you. Yeah, so okay. for the first year, I wrote all of it um, and I still write our weekly newsletter, mm -hmm. and, but we have an editor, so she helps sort of pull it all together and make it sound even better. Um, and how often are you writing during this time in the beginning? Uh, every week. Oh, every week you're yeah. doing a, a new newsletter every yeah. week. Okay. Yeah, so from the newsletter subscribers, we basically launched a milestone campaign, which is where you set four or five different milestones. And if you, the goal is for someone to refer like five, 10, 15, 20 friends. Okay. Um, and it basically went viral. So we, I don't know, I really, I really don't know how things, you can manipulate them to go viral yeah, without no, lots can. of press placements and all sure. of that sort of stuff. But yeah, it went viral. So we ended up with <laughs> with lots of people, which was great. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, you you said you were in marketing your whole life too. I mean, you were a, tra you were a uh, blogger before you were a travel blogger. Yeah. And you had an audience of about 100,000 people. Yeah. Which, so, you know, here's Emma Bates and I'm traveling. <laughs> like, why am I reading that? Why Honestly, do you... You, it's, it's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> but why do people um, care about your travel adventures? Um, How do you get them? I, well, I started writing it when I was at university, which was like 10, I started it like 10 years ago. Okay. I don't, it doesn't exist anymore, so no one look it up. Um, and, <laughs> I tried. Uh, yeah, you tried and yeah. you couldn't find it, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but I started, basically, I, I studied war studies at college and- That's applicable it was for real life. Super <laughs> applicable, yeah. Sure. Uh, but really it was like, I'm fascinated by human psychology um, and I'm fascinated by sort of history and politics and all sorts of things that, like really understanding why what motivates people and why they do certain things. War studies is basically like the most extreme form of human human behavior. And so it was very fascinating to sort of understand uh, everything. But all that's to say, while I was there, I'm very creative as a person. And I felt like I didn't really have a creative outlet. And so I started film photography and writing and just like kind of tapping away whenever I had the time. Um, and yeah, it kind of kind of grew from grew from there. And it was when your blog led to your Instagram account, not when you had a blog off or a website off of your Instagram. So okay. that the traffic went from this blog to Instagram followers, which is weird because that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, and yeah, at the time I was also dating uh, a YouTuber. And so um, I think that obviously helped with the momentum. Um, but yeah, it just sort of became a thing. And I was like, oh, this is how you build an audience. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I learned marketing. I, I was never trained in it. I just learned it from doing it. Wow, so is that really where you learned about audience and growing a community yeah. too? Yeah. Um, so do you think, I was thinking about this too, because I started out writing, mm. my story's different, but I started out, I was 
I had a corporate job that I hated and did, I'm creative too. I'm yeah. like, I need something. I'm going, I was selling restaurant equipment, mm. restaurant equipment. Yeah. I don't care about yeah. ovens. And, you know, I'm like going out of my mind. So I read this book and anyway, I started writing and it was a little blog no one read, but then Jessica Alba saw one of my posts, I don't know how, posted on LinkedIn, it blew up, it led to Forbes and all this other stuff, mm. right? But that was six, seven years ago. Is writing dead? I mean, because the person watching this is probably like, I care about TikTok and short form video is where it's at right now. It's not even this. It's not even long form YouTube video. It's 15 second clips. Mm. Forget about writing. Like, is it worth people's time, worth the person watching to to sit down and write something? Uh, I think it depends on who you are and what you're good at. So I've done a lot of, uh, like outside of partnerships and marketing for companies, I've done personal brand strategies for people, uh, which is actually my favorite thing to do. Uh, I find it fast, like just so fun um, crafting what people will talk about. But the, if you're someone who doesn't like writing or you're not good at writing, then don't waste your time trying to be good at it. Like figure out what else you're good at at to create content Mm -hmm. um, and create content via that medium. Um, I think writing in general, I don't believe is is dead. I'm very interested and we look a lot closely, um, or we look, I'll rephrase that. We look very closely at generative AI. Um, what is that to a regular oh, guy who I'm sold so ovens? Yeah, what yeah. does that mean? Um, so basically it's where uh, the, sim- the simplest example of it is you write a text prompt. So it could be like Tom and Emma sitting in a studio okay, in the style of Matisse with a backdrop of the sea or something like that. Oh, okay. And basically there's these um, various sort of AI models for lack of a better description that have been created that can then turn that prompt and generate imagery or video or sound. Um, And it's so cool because it's like basically think about the possibilities of how that could be applied. Wow. Like that could be applied to take writing or, anything really and make it more accessible to more people because they don't have to read the whole thing or they don't have to, maybe they speak a different language. And like if you could visualize the the knowledge and the content that's being shared in that writing in smaller snippets, Mm -hmm. then you can still get your point across to potentially larger audiences. I think it also hugely impacts marketing uh, resources and budgets within companies. Like what if you could just create all your content via prompt text prompts, like which you will be able to in the future and like not even that far in the future, you could probably do it tomorrow. Um, And yeah, it's really interesting. But like I personally, I love writing as a a format for sort of expression and communication. I think that um, I'm very long on long form content. Okay, good. Now I saw um refer we were just talking about it too. What what is the living Google document that you guys Oh our DM did? docs. DM docs, right? Yeah. Or maybe it was on there or somewhere else, maybe it was just on the on the site where US US people and these are just good hooks to get people engaged, right? You're yeah. pretty good at this, right? This isn't your first rodeo. I try, I try. <laughs> but you asked people what they were most afraid of. You know, is it financial, is it job stuff, mm-hmm. is it romance, whatever? Um I was just curious, what was like the number one answer like what did people when they said what are you afraid of? oh yeah what are people afraid of i was curious as soon as i saw that yeah a lot of it so that question we asked um in relation to entrepreneurship oh okay. so it was basically like what are you most afraid of when you think about starting a company or running a company or if you currently run one what are you most afraid of um and uh two things one which is i think very relevant in the news cycle at the moment around these like the girl girl boss is such a horrible word, but like girl boss takedowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then like so many founders that are women are genuinely afraid of putting themselves out there or the fact that they're already out there and someone sort of deciding it was a moment to write a hit piece about them because it's happened so much in comparison to founders who are men. Um, So let me ask you that, right? So first of all, I'm a guy. Yeah. Straight white guy, right? Not the most popular person in the world probably right now, right? Not a great time for us, you know? But why is girl boss a bad term? To me, it sounds, what do I know? It sounds like you're badass. Like, I'm a girl boss. Like, look at me. To me, it would seem like a good thing. 
that's like originally the the idea behind it was like kind of like hard not like hardcore but the word to me feels like oh you're like doing stuff you're out there you're yeah. like building things you're doing that yeah you're like a mogul kind but of that's how like, I look at it the point is you're just a boss that's like, a good point okay so you're not doesn't matter what your gender identity is you're just a boss that's and you're true building things okay so that's that's where most of the um i guess like issue comes from is that people are like well why do we have to define female founders why that's do we a good have point. to okay they're just founders um and i think that uh there's lots that happen lots of negative things that can happen when you start like tokenizing people in that way sure um and it also that's true makes people more susceptible to uh, yeah, like bad press or because at the set, like basically to become a lot of the time to to be taken seriously as a founder that's a woman, you're sort of almost expected to have a, a, a personal brand. Whereas like founders that are men, like that really isn't a problem for them. Um, yeah, you're right. And, and so because of that sort of why did, expectation. Why does a woman founder have to have a personal brand? Um, like, I don't do you, know. Do you, what do you mean by that, like, now in 2022? Does that mean, like, a nice, aesthetically pleasing Instagram page and maybe a yeah. website that looks a certain way and everything, all the color it's, schemes are the yeah, same? Yeah, I think it's because, basically, yeah, it's, like okay. bas- it's having a presence online that you can sell your company via. I got you, um, okay. And it's not essential by any means, but it is definitely, like it's a question I've been asked in fundraising, for example. Would um, I be asked that, you think, if no, I was fundraising? Absolutely but not. Why, so who cares? Like, I don't understand why I, is... I really don't know what it is, yeah. that it, why it's so important, but I think that um, the fact that women have to do this more um, than their sort of male counterparts as founders, makes them more susceptible because they're sort of on a pedestal already. They're already public facing. They're already doing all this press and all this stuff. And also trying to start and running a company. Yeah. Now they have to worry about what their Instagram looks like. Yeah, exactly. So you don't really have time to do any of that. And so you just just, like do your best. Um, But yeah, so being more public facing obviously opens anyone up, whether they're a founder or otherwise, to more uh, criticism. And often rightly so. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's definitely unfairly... Um, impacting women at oh, the moment. Well, educate me on something else that I'm totally oblivious yeah. <laughs> to, right? Why are there hit pieces on women founders? Why? Uh, I mean, what's the point? Your answer would be as good as mine. Well, I mean, the the point now is that it's like basically, well, a macro trend is that women being bad is like sort of apparently sensational because most of the time in, in <laughs> like, our, yeah. That's, a, that's, that's the cool thing that yeah. women are bad. Like. Yeah, no, literally, because we're so <laughs> used to assuming, um, like as a, on a societal level, assuming okay. that women are sort of like better. We're like the caretakers of humanity. That's we're true. like the nice, you don't expect us to be mean. You don't expect us to be all these I'm various guilty words. That. I expect my wife to be a better, and she is a better person than me, <laughs> right? But yeah. I do expect, more. I don't know why. I expect her to be yeah. Superwoman. I don't know why. Maybe that's messed well, it's up. But no, it's because you. I mean, like, I I would agree that women are Superwomen. But I think that <laughs> I would agree I, too. But I, I think that it's um yeah it's it's basically rooted in just like social conditioning. Okay. And so um if that's true and like women are like we're held up as being better, then as uh. soon as there are ex- things where you're like, oh well, that's not very nice then it's like even worse than if a, uh, a man had done that thing because you expect male leaders to not be nice. Oh, okay. So it's just the contrast, really. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, is it, it sounds pretty yeah, tough pretty being bad. a woman founder. Well, I, I don't really, I'm fine. Uh, but yeah. I think that it is, it is pretty, yeah, it like really impacts a lot of people. So in answer to your question about what women are afraid or what founders are, were afraid of, yeah. um, that was a big one was hit pieces. Um, and the other was just like, uh, I really don't like the term imposter syndrome because I think it is phrased incorrectly, but the- How should it be phrased? Like, would it- Well, it's basically like, if you have imposter syndrome, it means that the environment you exist within is not welcoming of you. Um, a lot of the time you're like, oh, I shouldn't be here. I go and through that yeah, all the time. I think that like lots of people experience notions of like, I'm not good enough. Yep. But um, imposter syndrome, especially to sort of women, can be more specific to like, they're the only woman there. Um, And so they don't feel as confident to speak up or they feel out of place or they don't feel as though they should be there kind of thing. I got you. Um, And so, yeah, basically those were the two biggest things were like, they're basically like, 
they have imposter syndrome and they're also afraid of being taken down in the press if they become successful. Oh my gosh. What, um, did anyone have like good advice over like overcoming those things? Um, or was it more just an exercise to get people to talk about kind of what, what scares them? It was them? more, yeah, it was more an exercise of getting- Not, not trying to fix anything. Not right? really trying, trying to get to fix it. But I think that one thing that's very relevant to what we're doing with DM is that when you see a lot of people saying the same thing, it sort of validates your experience, which makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. um, that's true. And so a lot of it is like you can just read lots of people saying, I'm also scared of this. And then you're like, oh, I don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. What was, so you founded this two years ago with your co-founder. Yeah. What inspired you? Was there a moment, like where did all this come from? Yeah, I had to take the morning after pill about three years ago, four years ago, maybe now. And I had never taken it before. Mm -hmm. And so I just ended up in this almost like internet doom spiral trying to <laughs> find, mean? trying to understand what was going to happen. Cause I'd had previously like really bad experience with experience with birth control. I hadn't been on it for a number of years. And so I was like, okay, well this is kind of like birth control. So what's going to happen? Like trying to basically crowdsource answers from mm -hmm. other people and not all of my friends had taken it. So I was like, okay, well the internet might have answers. Um, and anyway, I, I pulled all of this information together. I was <laughs> asked like everyone I worked with at the time away in the office that was a woman, um, put it all in a spreadsheet and then I put my this spreadsheet. I'm just, I'm really very organized. Um, and, um, and I put it in my Instagram story and it was just like, it's been shared hundreds of times at this point. And my co-founder and I were like talking at the time, we're like, why can't we find these stories anywhere? Why can't we find people's experiences and live like, like experiences taking birth control, experiences like navigating their finances, experiences with friendship breakups, like all these different, um, very real life things. Mm -hmm. um, and you might find them scattered across various platforms. You could find the odd news article, but a sort of collective place for community knowledge mm -hmm. um, in a way that's easily searchable and in a way that feels inclusive and fun and sort of like familiar just doesn't exist. And we recognized that um, women and sort of non-binary people that we're building for and to start with, at least from a content perspective, they search for information very differently. It's very social in how they search for things. They ask their WhatsApp groups. They just like um, you did. Like just like I did. They're sort of like crowdsourcing from everyone around them. Um, but there's no technology. Like I can't think of a single place where you can actually like discover or collect or share in the same place. Um, you end up putting all in your notes app, for example, or all these like various sort of scattered places around on your phone. And sometimes you don't want anyone to know what you're searching yeah. or what you're looking for. Yeah, and you're you like, don't I don't want to ask yeah. my best friend this question, I want, but I want to ask people that might know about it, like yeah. under a pseudonym or something. So yeah, basically as we were going through all of this discovery phase, we realized that there's a really big space at the intersection of like search community products and search products uh, because they don't meet in the middle currently. And uh, if we were to build technology that is inspired by the way women have exchanged information for generations, what could that look like? Um, and so that's really how you can think about DM. Um, and in industry language, we wanna build a social search engine, but to the sort of URI, like consumer wise, it's basically like Q&A with internet friends. Okay, so what came first, the chicken or the egg? Did you have, did you wanna start a business first? You post the Instagram story and you go, oh, this could be something. Or did you post the Instagram story first and go, that could be something and let's look into maybe. It was the latter, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. so there was no plan like, we're gonna found something this year. No. It just kind of organically happened. Yeah. Did you have any business background before that? Did you, were you entrepreneurial as a kid? Did you ever like yeah. dream of one day owning your own business? Um, no. My sister was, like my sister had a shop in her bedroom and she might, there's a running joke in our family that she basically liked using her fake till. And so you'd <laughs> my come daughter into the, loves yeah, it. she, you'd go into our room and my dad was always concerned because she'd be like, would you like cash back? And he's like, I haven't bought anything. So like, <laughs> that's just not good business acumen. Um, so she was definitely more, I think like that when we were younger, but both of our parents, like my dad is a, sort of private equity CFO. So he's oh, okay. like very like business uh, minded and uh, financially minded. And my mom is an entrepreneur that like, runs her own company and uh, always has since I was like five, I oh, think. Wow. Um, so I think that combined 
uh, sort of that upbringing, um, yeah, I guess I'd never really thought about it until mm. I was like, I'm really passionate about doing this. I'm more, I'm more passionate about our mission, which is like closing the gender information gap. And I really just want to make that happen. So is, do you think that's the best way to go about it? Be passionate about something first instead of just going, I'm going to open a business, damn it. And like, yeah. mm, let's look at the marketplace. There's a hole here and let's just try yeah. to fill it. I think that people definitely do that. And of course not, And successful businesses have come out of that. Sure. So not to discredit it. But I personally wouldn't be able to work on something as much as you have to work on a sort of founding a company. Uh, if I wasn't passionate about what we were doing. I've interviewed a ton of entrepreneurs and they all say, say the same thing. Yeah. It's like, I wouldn't wake up at four in the morning and think about an no. idea and get out of bed and go to my laptop. Yeah. If you know, if I'm not into it or if I I'm mean, working for someone else. I don't get up at four in the morning, but like, <laughs> I'm glad that they do. Yes. Yeah. Some people do, so, I guess. Yeah. I don't either. Yeah. Um, so you have this idea. Okay, great. There's tons of, everybody, there's, everybody has good ideas, mm -hmm. right? Now what? So you have this idea for this thing. Mm. You don't have any money, right? I mean, no. you've got a regular job, you're a regular person. So yeah. now what? Um, we So I guess given my background in marketing, the most important thing that I knew you could do is start building an audience as mm -hmm. soon as possible. And so we launched uh, the newsletter, we launched social channels before we even like knew what the product was gonna be um, and just started talking about it or sharing information or news stories that were relevant to the demo that we wanted to attract. And that's that's kind of where we started. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, we managed to get an engineer to sort of help code up what an MVP would look like. And uh, this was 2020. Um, so midst of, in the middle of COVID. <laughs> and then- You have a lot of time, you're home, right? Yeah. yeah. And then um, we decided to apply to the Techstars Accelerator Program in New York and we got in. So that was how we then could hire people to build. Now, product. before that, I want to talk about Techstars too, because I'm sure that was an amazing experience. Yeah. But I interviewed this guy, have you ever heard of Liquid Death? Yes. Right, if yeah. you've been on Instagram, chances are amazing you've seen Liquid branding. Death. Amazing branding. Amazing. But what he did first, and I never, and it's just exactly what you just described. He said, you know, advice for entrepreneurs out there, and what they did is they launched the product without having a product. Mm. So they go, hey, this is, they the made thing. some some ad yeah. for a product that's not, it's, we're liquid death water. <laughs> like, what do you mean? They made a couple ads. Yeah. And then they bought some five, $10 Facebook ads and to see if there was a response to that. Yeah. Before anything, I mean, we're talking years before yeah. they figured out, okay, the, how do we get the water from the Alps? Wait, you can't can, apparently canning water is a hard thing to do. Yeah. That's why everybody puts it in plastic bottles. Before you figured any of that <laughs> stuff out, and I, I don't, and just like you did, you go, okay, let's just, you know. Figure this out. Grow, yeah, grow yeah. An, a community, grow an yeah. audience out there first, yeah. and then we'll figure out what the product looks like and all of that. Yeah. Is, do, you, do you think that's good advice to the young aspiring entrepreneur watching? Yeah, I think it's very overwhelming, especially if you're doing like a, like Liquid Death, it's a consumer product, like mm -hmm. a CPG product. Um, that didn't make sense, it's CPG. Yeah, um, and, I know what you mean. Yeah. And uh, it, like that's a lot of money. It requires a lot of money to be able to develop anything like that. Yeah. And so you're like, well, where do I even start if you're thinking of an idea? And even with a tech product, you have to hire engineers unless you yourself are an engineer. And um, that's expensive. Like they're really expensive hires. And it's and all based on a hunch. Yeah. Like I think this is a good idea. I think it might work. Um, but who knows? Or you're like, I know that this needs to exist. I don't know how it should exist, but I know that something needs to. I don't know if anyone else thinks this should exist yeah. except for me. Yeah. Maybe I'm the only, maybe maybe the only, the only one. one. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think there's like a few things that you can do. Like one, building a community and an audience if you're able to do that from the get-go it's always like it's better to launch to people that already know who you are than la launch day comes around and you have like five followers um which is a lot of that happens to a lot of people and they worry about they launch the product and they go oh wait we need community now yeah and it's like they're going like, no. the, the, the wrong like, what's way. even more powerful is what if the community could help you build what the product is so like what if you can get feedback from them whether it be a tech product cpg whatever and so i think there's that part that you can do but also just like research like before you start even even honestly arguably before you even start an instagram account or a tiktok account it's like 
like do so much user research. Like, there are so many ways, like Google surveys, um, there's like, sites like Pollfish, right. all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Just like test your hypotheses. And for free. Uh, for free. Oh, well, it costs you like $50, but like well, yeah. it's basically free. Sure. Um, and yeah, and you can get so much data and you can start, like people are really, like they go in depth when you give them a Google survey. And that was what we, that's the first thing that we did before we launched uh, Instagram was, was put, we put like a survey, which was actually, I didn't say anything about it being a company that I was thinking about starting. I okay. just put it in my Instagram being like, a friend is doing this. Like, could you fill out what you think about finding, I think it was like women's health information online or something along those lines. And, and then how many, that's a great, so. Well, we had 800 replies. Well, in before you even get hours. to that, what does the survey look like? How many questions? Uh, was it open ended? Do you have to ask yes, no? Like, um, how do you structure a we good had, survey? I think about 10 questions. Okay. Some were like uh, multi, what's it called? Multi choice. Yeah, multiple, multiple choice. choice. Yeah, I, like, I forgot in my school days. Um, yeah, multiple choice, mm -hmm. and uh, then some were open ended. So some were like, "What was the last search that you did on Google where you didn't understand, like where you were dissatisfied with the results?" Um, and in that box, there are still answers that I think about like every single day. And this was like two years ago now, of people being so, just like word vomiting into this Google survey, which was anonymous. And I'm like, why do you? Is this your only place that you can share this? Because like that alone validates our idea. 100%. Um, but it was just reading some of this stuff and I'm like, this is crazy. And like amazing, amazing that like people are this open, but why are you sharing it in a Google survey? There should be a place yeah, for this, there right? Yeah, should be a place. Which validates your idea. Yeah. You know, check out, I'm, I'm plugging my other interviews, but I interviewed Deepika Mudyala, uh -huh. who was also Forbes 30 Under 30 this year, and yeah. she founded this makeup company called um, Live Tinted. Mm -hmm. And she's of East Indian descent, and her whole thing was, you know, I deal with, you know, circles under my eyes, and I a lot of Indian women do. So long story short, she started a website, um, Live Tinted, just a blog about it. Mm -hmm. And the feedback was so much, and she got so much um, feedback, and they basically told her, this is the product we want you to make. Mm. And it's like, oh wait, okay, we just listen, like, okay, li li listen to these people. Yeah, like, okay, exactly. you know, it seems it's like- It's like you don't need to have all the answers. I think one of the most overwhelming things or a question that comes up frequently is, well, where do you start? And it's, you don't have to start with everything. You don't have to start with a product and a marketing strategy and a, everything figured out. You just start by asking people what they want. Um, and you will very quickly either establish if it's an idea or if it's not one. Mm -hmm. So you do tech stars, which is impressive to even get in. I mean, it's very exclusive, right? To get in that, I'm sure they have hundreds of thousands of applicants, right? Mm -hmm. So you get in, once you're in, how does it work? How many, are you competing against other people? No. How many winners are there? Like, how does there's, it work? There's, so there's no competition once you're in. Oh, um, okay, once you're in, you're good. Yeah, so each cohort or each um, accelerated program has 10 companies that are accepted. And so wow. we had nine other companies that were with us. Cool. And through, I think it's 12 or 13 weeks, something mm -hmm. like that. And it was over the summer of 2020, so it was, Basically, they never had done it on Zoom before. It's usually all in person. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they basically teach you how to fundraise. They teach you like how to do financial modeling, like all the sort of stuff, various wow. things you might need to do as an entrepreneur. Um, and then at the end, you have a demo day where you present your business to like hundreds of investors and sort of people like that. And that is meant to then kick off like a fundraise. Oh, okay. So. What about the person who's watching who goes, I've got the idea, there's an audience there, but I don't know how to financial model. I'm just, you know, I'm just a salesperson or I just work at a store. Yeah. I, like, I don't know how to financially model anything. I don't even yeah. venture capitalists. Like, yeah. so how do you get it off the, the ground? Just, you know, raising money from friends and family, I guess? Is that how um, you start? Yeah, I mean, if you have friends and family that have money, definitely yeah. see if you can get investment <laughs> That'd be from nice. them. Sure. Um, but yeah, there's there's other means available. I think that venture capital in general, like we've obviously gone down the venture capital path, but mm -hmm. venture capital is like very, uh, uh, what's the word, like glorified um, yeah. as basically like the only way to start a business. Yep. And that's just like not true okay. um, at all. Like there are so many other financing options, whether it be like just getting a loan from a bank mm -hmm. or, um, I don't know, like obviously like friends and family as an option or um, various like, 
sort of grants, programs and things like that that you can um, get money from. And so I think that it might be that your business isn't venture capital. It's not sort of suited for a venture capital model, uh, which expects like crazy returns. Um, There's a lot of pressure to you when you take that check. So it's like a lot of the time, like maybe if you're a product business, like that might not be the most efficient growth model for you. Um, So really it's like figuring out like what, what do I need? Like, why do I need the money? Like, what is it for? Do I need millions? Do I just need 50,000? Do I just need 5,000? Like, what is it that um, that you need? And to sort of figure it out from there. So you get almost a million bucks, right? Mm. Now what? What do you do with it? Uh, <laughs> What's the first thing you do? Honestly, <laughs> it was like when, when we closed our pre-seed, which I guess was a year ago, we just closed our seed. So okay. yeah, it was about a year, a year and a half ago. And um we basically knew we needed to hire a team. So we hired like our community lead, editorial, uh, product engineering, um, and started building and testing. So we had a, like a number of different hypotheses that we wanted to prove out. We also were very aware of what we needed to be able to raise a seed round. So a lot of the pre-seed to seed was tons of testing and also just like validating in a small way that mm-hmm. it was something that was needed that then would enable us to go and raise more money uh, from our seed round, which is what we did in May, uh, May, June of this year. I was going to ask you about that too. So you're in beta for nine months, I think you yes. read. Was there, what were some assumptions you had that proved to be very untrue mm. after you kind of went through that? Were there any like big ones that you thought, I would have sworn it would have went this way, but uh uh-uh. Yeah. So I think the biggest one just from the whole experience is that when we started DM, it was going to be very like women's health centric mm-hmm. um, because given the founding story I shared with you and recognizing that women don't have access to information on their bodies. And um, so that was what we started with was all like, it's basically a vertical um, information on women's health. Okay. And from there, people started talking about other things in DM. So in the, I remember there was one instance in like the hormone channel um, and someone started asking about like negotiating their salary. And we were like, <laughs> okay, well you clearly feel comfortable here, but like but not, not really hormone right, related. Yeah, it's not really related to your hormones. And so then we were like, okay, let's do lots of research into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what we've established is the three most popular verticals for our core demo, which is sort of, uh, 25 to early 30s is relationships. So that could be friendship or boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, that the whole works, mm-hmm. um, money and reproductive health. So those are our sort of three um, biggest pillars. And then there are offshoots from there as well. Oh, okay. But yeah, I think that was our biggest thing was like, oh, people don't, they want more than just health. Yeah. So you get the money, you make your hires, you go through nine months of, you know, of beta testing and you yeah. figure it out. Then what's the next step? Then do you have to get more funding because you spent, spent all the yeah. money doing all this yes. stuff? Yes. Is that how it works? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> and we also just got to a point where it's like, okay, we figured out what works. We figured out a lot of what doesn't work. We haven't like we haven't reached product market fit yet, I mm-hmm. would say. We've definitely got very strong indicators of what is probably going to work very well for us in the next year. But um, we were like, okay, well, we'll, we figured this stuff out. We need to just go and make this a thing now. Like Mm -hmm. we've tested all of this, all of these things. We've de-risked a lot of it. And um, yeah, so we needed capital to be able to like bring in the, the right people to be able to like take it to the next level and scale and grow the platform. But before you even get there, right, it sounds easy now looking back right oh, it, it was horrible that, that, yeah. that's what i want to get to right <laughs> yeah. is it's not it, it may look to you really nice and shiny and look she's forbes 30 under 30 she's got a successful company <laughs> easy but during that nine months so you've got the money you're spending 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 there's no income coming in now you know then or maybe or ever now. Yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> right, right <or> now. <laughs> so you're spending this money you know it's going to run out at some point yeah and you're find out you're wrong about certain things and actually this isn't the right fit and when does it is there self-doubt creeping in and is there man i shouldn't have done this or oh we should have done this and i'm so mm. stupid for thinking this that's got to run through your mind, right? Yeah, 100%. I think you do think a lot about what you could have done. Like in hindsight, like hindsight is the best thing ever. Of course. Um, you don't make any mistakes. <laughs> you don't make any mistakes. Uh, but you don't have that. And you. I also don't think we would have landed where we are now had we not 
tried everything that we've tried. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff we're about to get wrong in the next six months as well, uh, or even next six years, who knows? And um, yeah, so I think it's, it's really just about not being too hard on yourself in reflection, uh, like recognizing what you can do better, recognizing um, what you're not gonna do again. Um, but in the moment, I don't think I ever got to a point where I'm like, oh, why did I do this? Kind okay. of thing. We were never, like myself and my co-founder, we're never really like, let's give it up. Mm -hmm. Like that's never even been a conversation uh, because we're so, we know how much people need the vision that we want to create mm -hmm. and that keeps it going. And I, th and I think that in those moments where you do start to like doubt yourself, and you're like, yeah. maybe I'm not the right person to do this. Um, I just, it helps me to have a mission, like a personal mission outside of my work. Um, and for me, I just want, to, the only thing I ever want to work on in my life is various projects to do with um, gender inequality and like, education for women, um, all sorts of things along those lines. And so every time when I'm on a, having a bad day and I'm like, oh, there's a bug in the app again, which for anyone that's ever built a beta product is basically every five hours. <laughs> and I'm, um, you're like, okay, that's not important. Like think of something that in the world that is actually a problem mm -hmm. um, and ground yourself in like trying to contribute to solving whatever that is. I think that's an important lesson to anyone watching too, because you know, at some point you're like, I gotta write. Uh, yeah. We have to do another newsletter, a million other yeah. things I could be doing right now that are more important than this, yeah. right? But if there wasn't that underlying passion and kind of, even if this thing didn't work out, I would still be fighting for gender inequality and yeah. worrying about, you know, doing all these other things. Yeah. So that drives me, whether or not, like you said, we had a, another bug today. This is the third one we had today, yeah. right? <laughs> and I got to do this, 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 this. Yeah. It sounds like that's the kind of thing that you need almost, where if it was almost like, like we talked about before, where I just am going to start a company, it doesn't seem like it's, good enough to get you through bad days the no. bad days or it seemed yeah. like there'd be more self-doubt going that way yeah i mean i i obviously can't speak to that because i have never been in that situation like i've never created anything where i'm not passionate about it mm -hmm. but i can imagine it would make it much harder at least like for me as an individual i would find it much harder if i didn't have something larger that I was inspired by. You know, and I think that's a great lesson. Every single person I've sat down to talk with, and whether it's a designer or it's a crypto per whatever, mm -hmm. it's always starts with passion. Mm -hmm. Every successful one I've ever talked to, and they, you know, have diverse backgrounds and are different industries and everything, but it always comes back to that, it seems like, yeah. is passion. And do you have any advice for the person out there who maybe wants to start a business and isn't sure kind of what to do. It's like, I want to start something, but I mean, who knows? Isn't everything yeah. already made? Like, what do I do? I think it's really about being like, questioning like why you want to start something. And I think some people are like, I just want to work for myself. And that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to found a company. You could mm -hmm. just be freelance, for example, which is an equally um, admirable path. And so I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of focus on this concept of startups and like, Silicon Valley being this like sexy thing yeah. and like all of this sort of stuff, which is very easy. Like it is cool. Like people are building really cool world changing products and technology. And it's amazing to witness it and be a part of it. But I think it's it's more about like, why is it that you want to start something? Because if you're just like, oh, I really would like to start a company. It's like, well, like why? Like what is your purpose? Mm -hmm. um, and sort of figuring out like what your purpose is, I think probably would help you figure out what you might want to create. Because usually you'd have to have experienced a problem to be like, oh, I could create a solution to this. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen for everybody. It may never happen, no. but not everybody has that, you know, passion, passion enough to take it from, or almost an obsession. Would you argue, because passion yeah, could be, yeah, yeah right, <laughs> yeah. passion could be like, I like, I'm learning to play the piano, like, it's cool, I wanna play yeah. hip hop songs on piano and old mm. soul stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a hobby, right? I'm never gonna be professional. You know, if I'm not into it that day, I'm not gonna do it, you know, I'll do it. Oh, I haven't played for two weeks, who cares, right? I'm, not, I'm never gonna be good at this schedule, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if you have an obsession, that's something different. Yeah. Do you think you have to have beyond passion, it's gotta be passion with obsession, or you kind of just have a hobby, it sounds like. I think, yeah, it's a good question. I'm not. 
Like, you could have just been blogger writing about these things. Yeah. Why aren't you? Yeah, I, I don't know. Why am I not? What That's, have I done? <laughs> yeah, what have you done? <laughs> what have I gone wrong? Where have I gone wrong? Um, no, I... Like okay. You didn't have to go through all this. You didn't have to apply to Techstars. So there's something different about you than there's other people who care about gender inequality and stuff and do their own yeah. thing, but not to this extreme. Yeah. So do you think you do need... I think... I think you my need opinion, to be I think a, you do. I think you do need a sort of very extreme or intense focus on what it is that you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to achieve it. Um, I would say... I think, yeah, I think to turn a passion into a business is like not many people will go down that path because it's really hard. Like it's a really, like it's not fun or sexy or any of the things that it looks like in, I don't know, interviews like this. Or this looks like, sexy, yeah. Like it looks sexy, it's fun. There's but lots we of didn't see you in no. the third month in debate at that You didn't see me yesterday when I got up at four <laughs> in the morning to fly to Los Angeles and then had to go and host an event for the whole evening and be on and present and all of that sort of stuff. And um, and I think that- And today's Veterans Day we're shooting, right? Is it? You don't have a day oh. off because it's Veterans Day, right? You don't <laughs> even know, yeah. No but like my yeah. kids are off, my wife's off, like I'm here, yeah. you're here, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter, it's a holiday. I th it's basically, I think that founding a company, uh, you're a, probably a pretty intense personality type or you're like very driven to achieve something for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, you definitely need more than probably just being passionate about an interest area. Now I'll go the other way. Now, how do you come down from that? When you've been working, you know, 18 hours in a row or something and you're trying to sleep and you're just thinking about whatever, mm -hmm. like what's your escape? Like how do you, what brings you away from that? Is there anything or are you just 100% in this all the time? I, I don't find it exhausting. No? To, I, I, there's moments where I recognize okay, you're like lacking, you're not focusing, you're like clearly tired or you've spent too much time doing this Or you're not project. taking care of yourself yeah. physically or whatever. Um, so for me, it's just more about consistency across the board. So I always exercise like like four times a week and I'm like militant about it me now. Too. I'm like, I have to do this. And not just and not just because I like wanna be fit and healthy, but it's no. just like this is 45 minutes where I'm not looking at my phone and I'm so sweaty and so like out of breath that you I can't actually think can't of think anything. about anything yeah, else. Oh, I completely <laughs> agree. And you're like, oh my god, I'm actually gonna die. I'm like, just I trying not to die. On this treadmill. Exactly. Yes. Um and that I think that to me is helps um and it's just like consistency it's not about doing things in extreme measures the whole time like i don't i don't have two weeks where i don't leave my laptop um and then i need two weeks to sort of re like recuperate after mm -hmm. doing something like that um it's just like trying to be consistent with the, the the well-being and the personal health and that stuff at the same time as being like i need to work really hard so what's next for the company what do you have going on um, we've got lots of things going on. So the biggest uh, biggest thing is over the next month, um, our product is rolling out more publicly, which is very exciting. Um, so you'll be able to go to DM and start a DM, which is a public search query that basically if your friends don't have the answer, you can ask them, uh, ask a whole community of people the question and get very valuable contributions. So that's a big thing for us, and we're really excited to test that on a larger scale. Um, we've also started rolling out our event series, which is called IRL DMs, where we invite a sort of influential or really cool woman to curate a dinner party or a breakfast or a, or a hike. Yeah, and they invite 12 people. They pick a topic that they think these 12 people would have an interesting answer to. Um, they start the question in the DM product. Everyone before dinner has to share one thing as their ticket to the event, um, and then they have a really fun dinner. Wait, so is it one like um, thought leader and then people from your community? Uh, that No, from their community. Oh, I got you. So yeah. it's all kind of thought leader, smart people, yeah. but talking about things that your community cares about. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty so cool. It's basically, Do you film it or anything? Um, we, so to get into the event, you have to have shared a con like as a guest, you have to have written one contribution in reply to the host's DM. Oh, okay. um, and so the idea there, I think there's like ways that we'll expand on it in the future to sort of get this knowledge um, out further. Mm -hmm. But really the idea is that like, have you ever been sitting in a restaurant and you've seen this like really cool group of women and they're like all talking about something and you're like, oh, they all look so cool. I wish yeah. I could be in that conversation. Um, and that's what I, we want a DM to feel like, is like you get access to these sort of 
otherwise private moments and otherwise private information that doesn't live anywhere. It would That's live in cool. their WhatsApp group, but why should it? Like it doesn't have to. Yep. That's funny. Like that back to that girl, um, Deepika, you should meet her. She's yeah. an incredible founder. But that was her whole thing too, is like I I always wanted to sit at the cool kids table when I was in high school and I wasn't invited, right? So I decided, like, why not start my own cool kids table yeah. and invite everyone? And it sounds like that's what you're doing too. Are you guys very yeah. inclusive and are very aware of that? Yeah, our whole your whole thing is yeah, inclusivity, right? Yeah, it's basically like we believe that information online and in a lot of places is not uh, inclusive. And I think that inclusive means a, a lot of different things, or can mean a lot of different. What's things. it mean to you and your brand? Um, good question. It's obviously. For us, it's that the community itself has like a diverse uh, set of backgrounds, whether that be professional, whether that be gender, whether that be race, whether that be um, interest area, like all of these things that make us individuals as humans, like our lived experiences. We wanna make sure that we have like lots of different type of people so they can contribute uh, different resources to the platform. Um, so there's inclusive from that standpoint. I think there's also um, thinking about how you can make technology itself and feature sets more inclusive and uh, less susceptible to um, abuse uh, as we're sort of seeing with the demise of Twitter right now. Oh my and, God. <laughs> and all the sort of like show that's going on there. But What yeah. do you think of that real quick? Are you, were you a big Twitter user? I, re I really have always liked Twitter. I always liked Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I never really, cared about about it. I think that uh, social platforms in general have big problems with their security features. Um, and I have a lot of takes on that whole space. But mm -hmm. I think that the Twitter stuff to me, I'm like, I'm so over this like savant engineer founder being like this glorified hero and they are. so and a so-called genius at everything. It's like if you you can see it in fundraising, like and yes, they're it's very like talented. Yeah. But it's like this messiah and it investors is. are obsessed with them. And I'm like, just because they're really good at this thing, it doesn't mean that other people's skills are less good. Mm -hmm. Like technology in my view it's like we need more people who understand community to build social products like engineers yes. shouldn't be the ones defining the feature sets let's be real i come from sales and marketing yeah and you just have to interact with a lot of engineers engineers aren't always the most social people no right? and they're like Usually, great they're like awesome at what they do they have a different skill set yeah i couldn't design a website right no. but i'm i have a different skill set than they do yeah i don't want them designing my i want my sales and marketing person building so, a community yeah yeah, Not exactly. Them. So that's like what we want to do differently is like our um, our product is like as equally influenced by um, like technical talent as it is by our like head of community or our editorial director because like our business is a lot about like how you feel while you're in there as well as like what amazing content you're seeing and how you're discovering it and like really trying to make it feel more like your journey currently, but when you ask your friends questions. Um, and I don't think that people have built technology via a more human lens in that way. You know, it's funny and we're almost out of time, but um, you mentioned community again. And when you were speaking before, when I asked you, hey, what'd you do with the 900 grand or whatever? And one of the, I think the first person, the first hire you mentioned was head of community, Yeah. right? Was talk, just leave us with a nugget on building community. and. How do you do it? You know, because everyone watching yeah. wants a, a larger. A it is a buzzword. Yeah. But whether it's for their product, they want a community around it, or whether they're trying to build a personal brand and become a thought leader, or they just want to get famous on TikTok. Yeah. The one thing in common with all those things is you need community to get you there. Yeah. So any like tips that could apply to? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is there's a very big difference between audience and community. So I think that audience that is, so is what everyone thinks community is, but it's not. Um, you don't actually need community. Like it's it's completely unrealistic to say I have a community of a million people because no one knows a million people in real life. Like there's no capacity in your brain to. And those million people that. aren't going to buy what you're selling. No, well it's it's more like the or audience. You can have it like billions of an audience or product users or whatever, but you don't need your like core like super users 
um, that's who your community are. And it's like, how do you find them? Who are the people that are always commenting in your product? Who are the people that are buying it obsessively, gifting it to their friends, tagging you on Instagram, all of that stuff. They're the people that you should approach and be like, hey, I'd love to understand why you like us. Like, what what is it that you really like about DM or my ex brand? Um, and talk to them, be like, oh, this is really interesting. Like. Are you interested in joining a more intimate community experience if we were to create one? Because a lot of people can't be bothered. Like they're like, I don't need to be in another Slack channel. I don't need to be in another, um, I don't know, Discord thing, or something. Yeah, uh, that's not serving me because I'm not looking at it. Um, so yeah, it's really about first of all your audience, as in like the total number of followers that you have, is not a community. Nope. Um, a community is when people. It's like connections outside of you. So it's like your brand is here. Mm -hmm. These people are sort of in a circle interested in the product, but like community is when these people start talking with each other outside of your involvement. Um, so that is the biggest thing to consider in building any community product, any, if you just wanna build a community to increase retention, whatever it might be, it's just like focus on creating the connection points between your audience and that builds your community. That is such a good thing to end on because I think what a lot of people do, and I've been guilty of this, it's like you you look past the person who's in front of you, yeah. engaging and commenting and stuff, and you go, Where's the next person? Where's the next? My yeah. number's too low. I need yeah. the audience, not the community. I need the audience to get bigger. Yeah. When you go, hey, Bozo, there's no. people right in front of you who are in your community. They're already here. They're already here. <laughs> yeah. Focus on them and yeah. stop looking. It's like well, that song, love the one you're with. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's also like if you focus on them, you uh, they will recommend you. You don't have to go and find the other people because you've already given them attention and they are excited to be involved. Um, and so they will tell everyone else. Yep, I think that's great. And we're gonna end on some questions. Okay. And I like this, this is good for you kids out there for social media, right? Because we do long form content, but then you also have to get bite-sized content out of it. And that's what <laughs> we're about- a marketing to, guru here. <laughs> yeah, right, that's what we're about to do right now. So you're watching the magic happen. Cause I never look at These notes. These are the ones that you sent me, aren't they? And I've now forgotten what I- Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Maybe, maybe they're I was not. Just <laughs> just wasting oh your time. Uh, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? The weird feeling that you can't quite pinpoint why it's telling you to do certain things. Do those things. What's the greatest advice in life that you've ever gotten? Stop looking at other people. If you had to start over now in business, what business would you start in 2023 and why? DM, a hundred times over. <laughs> Still needed. <laughs> no, yeah. for something else. Something DM's over, different. right? You sold it for a billion dollars. Now what? 10 billion. <laughs> um, okay, there you go. Uh, oh God. Okay, well, I really I really love cats. So I would love to have a cat, like a company where I can just hang out with my cats. <laughs> <laughs> something else. Different, very different. And finally, what's the best piece of business advice you've gotten? Mm. Uh, build a team of Avengers around you nice. because they will help you when you need them. <laughs> um, but do it in a very intentional way. Nice. Well, thank you so much. This was really a pleasure. Thank I you learned so a much. lot too. Hopefully you did too. As if you like this, subscribe, turn on notifications. There's new interviews every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time with just a diverse group of entrepreneurs who can give you business lessons that you can apply to your business, but also life lessons too that you can apply to your life. So that's the goal of these is to get a little inspiration from the story, but also get real tangible things you can apply to your life. So thank you so much for watching. Thanks guys. Thank you.